Every moment, God is there. In each moment, you have a duty, and whatever it is that God is asking you, you need to do. And so, whatever that is, if it's something hard, if it's a cross, then you accept it as God's will. And if you accept it, that means that it's there because God is asking you to get closer to Him. So then you use that moment to get closer to Him. Many of us believe that we'd achieve greatness if we only did things faster or were surrounded by more influence. We try to create professional and apostolic success by focusing on efficiency and productivity. But these beliefs alone can make us miss the sacred value of the present moment. We can forget that things like silence, patience, and suffering are often the most perfect ways in which we can fulfill our deepest desires. Lukewarm is not good enough. Lukewarm won't get you to heaven. You're either going forward or you're going backward in the spiritual life. There's no staying put. In this episode, entrepreneur, editor, journalist, and missionary disciple Carlos Briseño guides us into the beauty of the spiritual life so that we too can grasp the wonders of living a surrendered life in the midst of a bustling world. This is Living the Call. Carlos, God bless you. Welcome to the show. Hi, Deacon. I'm really happy to be here. Great to have you, brother. You know, it's funny because I was thinking that in the secular world, in media and content and Hollywood and all that, they would call you a multi-hyphenate. And in like Variety and Hollywood and all those trade publications, when somebody is like producer, director, writer, juggler, you know, all those different things, they call you multi-hyphenate. So you are a multi-hyphenate in the, in the Catholic uh, space. Thank you. If you think about my Hispanic roots, I'm a multi-hyphenate too, because my mother was born in Cuba and my father in Mexico. And on my mother's side, um, her parents were born in Spain and I was born in the U.S. So definitely a multi-hyphenate. <laughs> You've got a lot of the hyphens going. Yeah. It's, are you, how many, um, how big is your family? Like your immediate family, brothers and sisters? Yeah. So I'm the youngest of three siblings. Okay. Um, both my older sisters are dead. My father died in 2010, and my mother is in hospice now. She's 90. God bless her. God bless her. Yeah, my father passed away uh, in 2015, um, and uh, and you know it's we, we get as people move on, as you and you and I well know, right? We pick up uh, prayer partners uh, in heaven. But I asked the question about you know your your family because I haven't come across. I think we as we talked about in the kind of prep to this to this uh, podcast, I haven't come across a lot of cube you know hyphenates in the. Cuban, Mexican uh, variety, or certainly adding now Spaniard into the mix. Have you come across folks in that food group? In your uh, I haven't, actually. No, I haven't. And I remember listening to the Cuban guests you had before. Um, sure. So, yeah, yeah, Matthew Alderman. So, yeah, I felt, I felt a great kinship with him as he spoke. It's a great community. It's a great culture. I grew up in... I spent a ton of years in South Florida. And so for me, it was, you know, like, uh, you know, mom and apple pie, as they say, it was more like lechon and apple pie. You know what I mean? I grew up with this real deep Cuban, uh, you know, sense of community from my time in South Florida and, you know, beautiful people. And also, I grew up with all the experience of like the, you know, the Balseros and the Marielitos and all the people, you know, kind of washing up on the shores of South Florida, literally, you know, um, even though some of that stuff predated me, it was still part of the the culture of that of that Cuban story of people literally like, you know, coming to the States and, I mean, fleeing in a real way that that uh, that, you know, made it clear what they were fleeing from. 
Yeah, you just made me hungry, but hungry by that reference to lechon. So immediately thought of arosi frijoles y plátano. So of course, you're killing me, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's good food. You know, some of the best food in the world is just simple food, right? It's like, um, you know, it's 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 just ordinary people food, right? And and that's what, uh, and not that they don't have other kind of foods, but Cuban food is very much like that. So, um, Carlos, I'm excited to have you on the show. You've got a, a great story, and you're involved in a variety of different things. But I kind of want to start a little bit and just, you know, I, I want to hear about all of it, right? So, but, you know, but what I want to start with is this idea you saw, you heard in the episode title, right? This idea of baptizing social in- influence, baptizing media. It, we have as, as Christians and Catholics specifically a long history of baptizing things, right? We just recently had St. Patrick's Day and we talk about baptizing, right? He baptized a whole pagan culture, um, you know, for Christ. But I want to talk about like what you know, the, the starting point of that baptism of media and baptism of, of social influence is recognizing that it's an opportunity to begin with. And so, so much of my experience with folks when they think about social media and podcasting and other things, they they oftentimes think that that's the domain of the popular culture. Like, we don't need to play there, right? We've got liturgy and we've got the greatest books in the history of the world and like, we're good. Talk to me about that. Like, what motivates you to look at these media, podcasts, social, other things that you've been involved with? Why do you do it? What's your motivation? That's a great question, Charles Deacon. And the main reason is to evangelize. That's what I feel God has placed in my heart. It's obviously the call of every baptized Catholic, go and make disciples, right? But he's blessed me with communication skills, and so I want to use those skills uh, to spread the good news. And the way I look at it, the good news, nothing should be more viral than the good news. Is What does Ooh. that mean? What it means is um, it's, it's eternal life, it's salvation. Nothing is more important than that, to be with Him, to, to commune and be in union with Him. And obviously, if you're able to, to embark on that path here on earth, which is, again, all of our jobs, right? The path to holiness. Um, I think what it does is it just makes life richer, it just makes life more beautiful. And of course, once once that beauty comes in, you feel more truth, you feel more goodness, and that's what we're called as as uh, Catholics. You have um, something on the website, on one of your uh, websites, which I think touches on the quote that you just made. So viral, you say, viral social media content has the capacity to reach thousands of people. The good news, because of its offer of salvation, is the ideal viral subject because of the importance of its message. And I, I know that's shades of, uh, or variation of what, of what you just said, but I think it's an encapsulation of what the opportunity actually is. And I think in some cases, I find it sort of sad that oftentimes, uh, you know, folks won't recognize that. Do you, in terms of the, 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 the potential power of virality, why do you think, have you come across something similar, like where people say, hey, you know, I kind of don't want to mess around with these social platforms and things because they're kind of not for me? Or or is that, have you come that, across that at all? Oh, I definitely have. Yeah. In church, in church world, uh, people, especially when it comes to technology, um, if you're not used to it and, and it maybe isn't something you've been brought up with, then it becomes something that you don't want to go towards because it could constitute failure, right? Mm. Um, I'm going to look foolish, or I don't know how to do it, or the obstacles are too big for me to understand it. So I think a lot of that plays into um, what happens in, in church world. And I, I work for the church. I'm the editor of a diocesan magazine, and my goal has always been 
to use whatever tools are out there to to um, broadcast the good news. And so it shouldn't let us, it shouldn't stop us. Um, obviously, being fishermen didn't stop those guys that Jesus picked to spread the good news all over the world. You know, if you if you looked at their backgrounds and their mm-hmm. educations, they probably weren't um, perfect in terms of that. If if you had to pick ideal people. So it's, it's less about being perfect and it's more about allowing the Holy Spirit to work through you. Mm. And so that's what I basically tried to do. The, using the different tools that are available to you based on, on the time and place that you're at. W- exactly. Were you, were you always into communication, media? Like when did that first come about? Yeah, it basically started when I was in high school. I didn't know that I loved to write until I took a creative writing class and once I took that class, it really opened up a lot of um, doors for me in terms of um, my imagination. And so back then, I had this big dream in order to um, pursue a career in playwriting. Mm. But I also knew, knew that I needed a day job. So I felt like journalism would be a good thing in order to kind of pay the rent while sure. I worked on, on writing plays. But when you when you do that, um, you kind of open up your mind um, to more possibilities because I I really strongly believe in the power of the imagination. And Mm. of course, this power comes from God. It's a gift from God. So in order to to do that, um, I I felt like it's led me down a a lot of paths. It, It led me to be trained in radio. Um, I see radio as theater of the mind. Um, it's led me to be trained in video. Um, and, and so I just love these creative possibilities that exist. And then once you start accessing all that, you start to realize, well, you can, um, educate, you can catechize, you can inspire, you can, um, bring people in through communication, the power of communication. And you know that Deacon, just through all the channels that you operate, the talks you give on OSV Mm -hmm. and also your Mm -hmm. podcast. Mm -hmm. Was there a particular book or play that kind of awakened for you the idea that like, yeah, I want to do this as well. I know you said you discovered that you could write, but was there a moment of inspiration that led to that discovery? Um, you know, it, it was, it was really, um, uh, a, a whole bunch of things because one, mm-hmm. if you start asking me like my favorite is something, I'll say what time, how much time do you have? <laughs> right, you know, right. There's so much, there's so many things, books sure. and plays and movies and all sure. that kind of stuff that, that influenced me. But I, I think ultimately what it was, honestly, um, mm-hmm. was it represented freedom to me. Um, when I was growing up, my mom was someone who was very difficult. She was bipolar mm. and she was narcissistic. And so as a result, she was really tough. Um, mm. She was angry all the time. And she um, it, it was a very dysfunctional home. And so mm. growing up in a home like that, she restricted a lot of things. Now, you got to realize that in terms of the... And, and you may know this growing up from Miami. Um, Cubans, the old-fashioned Cubans, the ones who grew up in the 30s and 40s like my mom did... Um, their idea of a date was like you chaperone, you have chaperones who follow, you know? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, so her thing was to have a real tight grip on the family. And mm. so she, she kind of ruled by fear in a sense. Mm. So my imagination represented something that was freedom for me. So like I escape. was transported to all these different worlds by the things that I read. Wow. And of course, faith was important. My dad took us to mass every week. 
Um, but I realized in, in looking back that God's grace was working through me through those gifts mm-hmm. to be able to um, create space in me for his grace to move. And in doing so, I realized that years later when the theological hunger in me um, started to understand more about God, it kind of he, he kind of married the two together so that all that hunger to communicate, which was born back then, which was, again, it, it was freedom, um, it, it kind of burst forth. So that's why I think you see someone um, who does all these various things that I do in terms of the media. Um, and, then, and then, of course, if it's married with the good news, then it's extra powerful yeah, it's, in my book. Perfect combination. Wow, there's a ton there, Carlos. So we're going to have to kind of chop some of that stuff up a little bit. Um, num- number one, the idea of finding this freedom, this imagination as a vehicle to, um, you know, to, to do things or flex our, our desire for adventure in moments coming up where we may feel constrained. That's like a universal theme. I mean, that's something I think like every young person can, can identify with, but then marrying it with this faith experience. Cause I was going to ask you, like, how did you, what's the earliest memory of, of the faith that you can have? It sounds like that, sort of steady drumbeat of being taken to mass um, with your dad was was part of that. Do you, do you remember just like a place where those overlapped, the idea of exploration, imagination, escape, and the faith? Was there a moment where those two things overlapped? There was, and that's a great question too. It's a deep question. And honestly, it hadn't up until the point that my eldest sister, Nancy, was diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. So when that happened, I was in my early 30s, and up, up until this point, I had worked in the secular media world. So at, at that juncture in my life, I was at the New York Times as a research assistant. Wow. And so the the dream of working for the Catholic media never crossed my mind. But what happened in my prayer life after my eldest sister was diagnosed, because up until that point, thankfully, no one in my immediate family had been seriously ill. So I didn't know what it felt like in order to be kind of scared for someone, right? Like, wow, they have actually have the possibility to die. And I knew that intellectually, but in terms of my sphere of influence, you know, someone who I knew and saw and, and loved deeply um, had the, the uh, possibility to essentially disappear, right? Wow. So with that in mind, um, my prayer life went from being really selfish before her illness which, and selfish means, God, I need this, God, I need that, to after her illness, okay, Lord, what do you want from me? So in my early 30s, for the first time in my life, I started to actually listen to God in prayer. I had never done that before. Hmm. And so in finally listening to him, what I heard was, I've blessed you with these gifts, and I want you to do something with them in order to spread the good news. But you also have to understand what constricted me at that point, too, um, because of my mom's dysfunctions, which she, um, you know, brought to her children and me, um, what happened was I, I was really scared. I, I was scared to do something that I felt may be beyond my means. And so... Um, I know that feeling, what, my friend. Yep. What happened was, was I developed... Um, yeah, and, and I feel for you, Charlie. But if you're able to kind of bust through that, and it's all grace... And again, like I said earlier, it's all about making the space for grace. When that happens, though, all of a sudden, and this is the beauty of the Catholic faith, um, and St. Teresa of Avila talks about this, you know, these, these di- different rooms, or um, no, I think it's St. Catherine of Siena, 
talks about these different rooms. You go from room to room, and each room that you enter is bigger than the previous room, and you just are just in, amazed by the possibilities of God's grace, um, what He can do with His love and mercy in our lives. Yeah, it is. It is Avila. It's the interior castle, yeah. at least, and That's maybe thought, maybe yeah. maybe Saint Saint Catherine spoke of it as well. Yeah. But um, so you're you're at the New York Times. I want to I want to kind of go over th- this this these kind of moments because here you are. You're in your 30s. You're working at the New York Times. You're successful by all accounts. I mean, you're doing your kind of thing and being a journalist I, I, and working I, in that world. Yes, yes and no because I was I had been writing plays on the side, which was my dream. Um, and so I think on the surface I looked successful, but honestly I I wasn't. Especially on the inside, I definitely wasn't because of the the fear and also just because. Um, my faith was nowhere near where it should be. I went to Mass every Sunday. Um, I fed the homeless from time to time, and I went to confession once a year. And honestly, Deacon, I really thought I was the world's greatest Catholic. I honestly thought that. Wow. And 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 so you're living this, let's call it a... I mean, now looking back, it feels a bit lu- lukewarm, perhaps. But you're, by all accounts, you feel like you're crossing your T's and dotting your I's, and you're doing all yep. these things. And And here your sister gets sick. And you have this moment, of course, which you wouldn't have wished in, or picked in a million, right. you know, uh, in a million lifetimes at that moment. But nevertheless, God used that to help you draw closer to Him. I want you to talk a little bit about that, Carlos, because I know from you and from our, conversa- our conversation earlier that you've been given a number of crosses, right, to carry in your profession and in your personal life. But, but these crosses have been for you very transformative, and I think that in general they can be, but we don't talk about them enough, and we don't hear about them enough. And so I, wanna, I want you to touch on that. I want you to touch on the idea of like, you know, being given these crosses professionally, spiritually, etc., that you've used or that have helped you on your way. Yeah, thank you for asking that question, because you're right. I really do think that that's a really important question. And honestly, I think everyone reaches that question some point in their life. Something happens and they're at a precipice. So what do you do at the precipice? And honestly, um, what I felt is it's from Romans 8, 28. You know this um, quote, you know, mm-hmm. we know that all things work for good for those who love God. Before, when my sister had her cancer, if you had asked me, um, I want, if Jesus had said to me, walked up to me and said, I want you to embrace your cross, I honestly would have looked at him and said, no, thank you. Like, I, I really appreciate the offer, but I don't, I don't want the cross. I realize now that it is the only way that we not only get closer to him, um, but is the, it is the only way to heaven. So instead of looking at it negatively, and, and you, you have to realize, and you said this earlier, um, I wish no bad on anybody. I don't wish anything. I wish everyone were healthy. I, I don't wish cancer on anyone. I don't wish any horrible diseases on anyone or terrific, tragic accidents to befall anyone. But having said that, we live in a fallen world. Original sin exists. And because that existence, um, we then have a choice. And what's the choice? Well, what I've learned is the choice is to say when these crosses are put upon you, like um, the illness of my sister, and then she later died at age 45, which is way too young. And then later, another sister died when a tree fell on her car in the exact spot that she was sitting in on her on the passenger side um, and, and essentially killed her while her son, my nephew, was sitting next to her while they were trying to wait out a storm in their driveway 
in their home. And then that also leads to the rare terminal illness diagnoses of my wife and daughter. They both have a horrific disease called Huntington's disease. And I bring all that up to say, oh my goodness, like these are, these are sad and, and terrible things. But in each step of the way, what I've learned in my journey is that God makes good if you love him. So in loving him, what I've learned is, is opening up my heart um, and surrendering to him because that's what's needed. Um, lukewarm is not good enough. Lukewarm won't get you to heaven. Um, a friend of mine once said this to me, if you're either going forward or you're going backward in the spiritual life, there's no staying put. And I thought if I stayed put, which I thought I was doing, um, and of course I wasn't, um, that was good enough to get to me to heaven. Embracing your crosses is what's going to get to heaven. And in doing so, um, and, and I swear to you, this is the God honest truth, in learning how to surrender, in learning how to love the cross, which is basically another way of saying um, to, to love Jesus um, and love his will, basically, um, I've learned the power of the Holy Spirit, but I've also learned the power of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, love, mm. joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And it's the God honest truth. Because honestly, Deacon, like I'm, I'm, I'm a jerk. I really am. I'm selfish. I, got, I have a huge ego. I'm full of pride. But in going through all this, what I've learned is, is being on my knees and saying, Lord, please help me. Please help me. And in finally learning how to be humble, in finally learning how to surrender, um, what's rushed in are all these graces. And it's, it's this incredible paradox. Amen. You you brought up to me a term that um, just so you know I've already stolen and preached using um, on a, in a in an earlier homily. But you brought up this term to me earlier on one of our calls about living the surrendered life, mm-hmm. and I thought that that was just such a great encapsulation of everything you've just described. But here's a question, Carlos, because people will wonder: How do I do that? What are the practical steps for people to live a surrendered life? You just explained the why, right? The why is let's get home to heaven. The why is that God, and we can talk about God's permissive will versus his perfect will, and some of that's sort of more nitty-gritty theology, but the why seems clear. How is where I come across in 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 my conversations with folks that people are just like, how do I do this? What would you say? Yeah. And, and the best answer that I could give, the, the simple answer is, is to learn um, how to receive God's love. Mm. And in doing so, learn humility and learn gratitude. And I'm talking about all that in, in an unceasing manner. So what does that mean? So what that means is, for me, is when my wife was diagnosed with Huntington's, which, just so people know, it's not a common disease. It's a rare Ill- terminal illness. Only 33,000 people in the U.S., it's been estimated, have it. So it is, it's a combination of having Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and ALS, or Lou Gehrig's disease. So it's a horrific disease. So she was diagnosed in 2018. The next year, our daughter... And if you're related to someone who has it and it runs in her father's side of the family, he died from it, then you have a 50% chance of getting it. So we knew that she had a 50% chance. And then once she had it, we knew our daughter had a 50% chance. So in 2019, just before she was going to graduate from MIT, so a super bright kid, super bright future, she was diagnosed too. So to realize the suffering that they're going to go through 
and to realize that these bright, incredible, just beautiful people are, are going to be snuffed out um, before um, in, in way too short a time. Um, I felt like I was at the edge of a cliff and I was mm. looking over and I was really scared. I was really, really scared. So they deserve a saint. They deserve someone who's going to give and give and give and love them and love them and love them. And, and so I said to myself, how can I do that? So in listening to prayer, because I've been developing that, but not to the point that I really needed to, um, what I understood was you need to understand what it means to eliminate your pride. You need to become more humble. And humility, a great definition is true knowledge of yourself and true knowledge of God. So what does that mean? Well, that means he's the almighty one. It means that I'm a beggar. <laughs> and so I have a great quote that I want to read to you. Um, and, and I say this to inspire people because you asked me, like, how do people do this? Um, so um, this sister, um, Ruth Burrow, says, God cannot, she's a Carmelite sister, God cannot give himself to us unless our hands are empty to receive him. The deepest reason why so few of us are saints is because we will not let God love us. Mm. To be loved means a naked, defensiveless surrender to all God is. It means a glad acceptance of our nothingness, a look fixed only on the God who gives, taking no account of the nothing to whom the gift is made. So that's really hard. That's really, really hard. So it means giving up control. And so the second thing that I would have to say, the second tip is, um, is to just constantly being saying thank you and and trusting in him and again it's really hard for people and it's something that i do dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of times throughout the day as i repeat this jesus i trust in you jesus i trust in you i'll be walking down the hall in my work i'll be saying that in my head i'm stopped at a stoplight jesus i trust in you so it's this constant drumbeat because the devil is prowling and he doesn't want you to trust Mm. Um, he doesn't want you to be obedient. He doesn't want you to surrender. He wants to continue to manipulate you um, to not care for others, you know, to not love other people like the way they deserve to be loved. And by the way, so Carlos, that, that idea... It's an ultimate surrender. That idea, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but that That's idea right. of, um, of the constant thinking of you know, of God. So like Meister Eckhart, the great Christian mystic used to say that the most, in fact, I just shared this with somebody the other day, the most important prayer and the most powerful prayer you can ever say is simply thank you. But that, yep. that, that thank you and that I trust in you, I think to your point also snowballs the more you do it, right? In other words, like the, the more you consistently live in that spirit of gratitude and that spirit of surrender it 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 grows it amplifies it fortifies you right it's it's you're not like at zero the entire time but you're building speed in the order of grace right you're kind of building momentum in that in that world and moving toward god as you said earlier either toward him or away from him there's no there's no standing still but you're kind of building you know momentum in that in that order of grace is that how you find it amen brother you know exactly it and and that's really hard because it means you have to allow that grace to work in you. And it also means allowing time for silence. I, 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 the devil's really big on diversion, right? Uh, distraction. And so everyone, like everyone, I got caught up in that. And so now what I work on is silence. And in that silence, I'm saying thank you or I'm listening to him. 
and he whispers, right? Um, and so I'll give you an example. The other day I was at a stoplight and there was a long line of cars at the light. Normally I would be, have been either listening to a podcast or listening to music, but up until that point in my drive, I've been driving for about 15 minutes. Um, there was silence and I was praying and I was, I was listening and I looked in the distance, there were a bunch of trees and they were silhouetted, silhouetted against the sky. And so the trees are ugly because it's winter here. So it's not like, you know, there's something blooming or anything, but I found incredible beauty because here's what I saw. There was a wind blowing and I saw the branches moving. So I saw the trees and these are big trees kind of swaying and the, and the, and the branches just moving in the distance. And I don't know why, but Oh, I do know why, because God was there, obviously. So I just felt this incredible peace. But the fact that I could see that, whereas before I couldn't, and that's another tip, slow down. Mm. <laughs> slow down. And I use, I use this phrase, go the speed limit. Mm. And as someone who used to drive above the speed limit, because, you know, I'm in a rush, right? I got to go somewhere. I'm important. I got to be somewhere. And it's really important that I get there really fast, as fast as possible. Now I drive the speed limit. But I'm also, my mind is driving the speed limit. I don't go ahead. And a book called, and this is another tip, this um, Abandonment of Divine Providence by Father Jean-Pierre de Cossade. Mm. It was a big help. He talks about something called the sacrament of the present moment. So what does that mean? What it means is, is that every moment, God is there. And so mindfulness kind of brings you to this, but it's, it's less about building this awareness of uh, things around you, although it's part of it, it's deeper than that. The sacrament of the present moment basically means that in each moment, you have a duty in each moment. And whatever it is that God is asking you, you need to do. And so whatever that is, if it's something hard, it's, if it's a cross, then you accept it as God's will. And if you accept it, that means that it's there because God is asking you to get closer to Him. So then you use that moment to get closer to Him. So how do you use that moment? You abandon yourself to Him and say, thank you. Thank you for allowing this moment. If it's good, thank God. If it's bad, thank God. Because in that moment, you're getting me closer to you. There's such an amazing misunderstanding which you're touching on in our generally speaking, in our sense of what time is, right, and how God works. This idea of the sacrament, you know, of the moment or, you know, the, the, the sacramentality of the present, right, is another way of acknowledging, to my mind, to hear you talk about it, the fact that God resides now, right, right in this moment. And, and that's, what, that's where He is. He lives in that present moment. And we are brought up, especially now in our culture, thinking we can never get things done in time. We have to be rushing from place to place. We've got to get from A to B. We've got to cram things together. That's the life of the majority of the people I would think that are listening to this podcast and mine and mine as well. Maybe yours in the past as well. This idea of like, we, we got to go, 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 get, to, get, get from place to place. But there's a couple things that we forget, right? Number one is God is in the present moment. That is the only moment that is actually real that's happening. The past is in the past, and the future is not guaranteed to anybody. It really is about this particular moment. And so if that's true, then whatever we're doing at that moment, right, Carlos? Like that person we're with, the walk we're on, the steering wheel we're holding on to, that is the thing that we're doing. That is like the place that God wants us 
and recognizing and acknowledging him in that is like critical to, to, to the spiritual life. And, and, and the other thing that I think that it, at least in hearing you describe it, it reminds me of is making the Lord, the Lord of all things, including time. You know, I, I, I when I'm late somewhere, my wife always reminds me, like, Oh, you think God can't, you know, God is the, the God of time as well. Right. I mean, he created all these things for our benefit. So I, I think just a proper understanding, which, you know, you're you're helping us to 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 shape and, and 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 capture a proper understanding of time and what it means can help us in in growing in our spiritual lives because that is the moment that where God resides in the present in the now. Amen, brother. That's really well said, and and I obviously I agree. And what what I've learned is time is different for me now too because. In, in learning what everything you just said in, in this spiritual walk that I've gone on of abandonment to him and surrendering to him, here's, here's what time means for me now, too. My wife and daughter, um, their lives are shortened because this illness, it doesn't make you, you know, live to your 60 or 70. Mm-hmm. Um, so every second is precious, obviously, with them. Um, but I've also learned that, as you just pointed out, like every second is just precious, period. Exactly. And I was talking, was talking about this with a friend of mine um, whose wife also has a terminal illness. And, you know, he looked at me sadly when I told him, you know, this diagnosis of my wife back when it happened. Um, he looked at me sadly because he gets it, right? His wife has a terminal illness. Um, and he said, Carlos, we're all terminal. Mm. And so time should shift for every single person now hearing this too, because, you know, you think you have a lot of time. You know, I thought my sister was going to live to be in her 80s. She was dead by the time she was 45. My other sister dead by the time she was 59. Now, I don't want to dwell on the sadness of that. It's, it's more about what are we doing in this moment, moment to moment to moment. And, and there's a great quote from Jean-Pierre de Cassade. It's beautiful. And this has helped me in my walk. The present moment is always full of infinite treasure. It contains far more than you can possibly grasp. Faith is the measure of its riches. What you find in the present moment is according to the measure of your faith. Love also is the measure. The more the heart loves, the more it rejoices in what God provides. The will of God presents itself at each moment like an immense ocean that the desire of your heart cannot empty, yet you will drink from that ocean according to your faith and love. And that's that's what I've been learning, and it's it's been just beautiful, but but ultimately it's not about you. It's it's saying for every single thing that happens to you, going, Thank you, Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. The idea that faith is the measure as well reminds me of a scripture quote, which perhaps you've pondered as well, as it relates to when bad things happen, right? Because we know, Carlos, that that is a very real and and um, understandable objection to the faith, to, to the measure of faith, right? To growing faith, especially from a secular standpoint as well, if God is good and God is, is real and all this other stuff, then why do these bad things happen? And so someone like you who's gone through these great difficulties and lives with them constantly and yet does it in a spirit of peace and joy is such an incredible witness to this end. But the scripture that I think about is um, uh, from the Gospel of John. This is right when 
People will remember that Jesus is walking with, with the disciples, and they see a man uh, born blind, and the man says, you know, uh, the, the apostles rather say to Jesus, like, how come this guy is blind? Is it because of something that he did or something his parents did? And you know, basically asking that eternal question, why is something bad happened to this to this person? Back in that culture, they they thought, well, it's probably because something he did or something his parents did, that that's why he's got this terrible thing. And Jesus's answer is, is with all things that Jesus says, is like super arresting and different, right? He says, neither. He says, neither because this guy did something wrong or his parents did. It's so that God's glory could be made manifest, which have, has got to have been the most puzzling answer you could have ever heard, right? Um, and then he proceeds to heal the man. Right. And so you, you basically are left as an audience and you're a writer and journalist and playwright. So you get the idea of like how the audience is, is thinking of this. You're left with the idea. Oh, yeah. If he hadn't have been blind, then he wouldn't have been healed. If this bad thing hadn't happened, then God couldn't have made something greater from it. Right. And it's like so the answer as to why bad things happen, even though it's difficult to hear in a lot of moments in our lives is because God is working something greater, something more miraculous in that moment of present that you just described in that beautiful quote, in that infinite amount of beauty that's happening right here in front of us, God is working something to his end that's greater than whatever the tragedy is that we're, that we're seeing. And the key is to say thank you, as you've just pointed out. Yeah, that's so beautiful, man. I, I, I love hearing people who get it. <laughs> Because so many people don't. They struggle with uh, doubt. They struggle with um, wanting to control things. They struggle with shame. They struggle with their woundedness. All of which, believe me, I was there. Uh, that was me. I get that. I totally get that. Um, but, our, but, our, but the hope is, and, and especially through uh, interviews like this, that people can hear these words and start to understand wow, you know, I, I do have to start working on, on different things because honestly, being mired in your woundedness, being mired in, in that anger towards God or the, or the um, like, you know, why is he shaking your fist at him? Like, I'm so mad that my sister died that way. She was so young and you get bitter and all, all those kind of horrific things, which again, very human, very understandable. Sister Miriam James has this great quote. She says um, that suffering that is not transformed is transmitted. So what you just talked about, Ooh. Jesus transformed that guy's life, right? And so he's then going to go out and tell other people. And that's what we're doing here. Somewhere along the line, you and I, in our sufferings, in our woundedness, we had an encounter with Jesus. And then we, we were changed as a result of that. So because we were transformed, we then have to go out and pay it forward because that's part of what a disciple is. So hopefully some good can come out of this, these words that we, you and I are speaking, and in doing that, transform someone else who's suffering or, or mired in their woundedness, or, or they're blind, so to speak, and I'm putting that in quotes, and are able to see. And in, in, in that seeing, then focus on Jesus, because He is your path to heaven. You've given me another one, Carlos, <laughs> the one from, from uh, Sister Miriam. The idea of if you don't, if you're not transformed by them, you transmit them. That's true because the wounds can become moments of 
um, you know, St. Augustine uh, has a quote about, um, you know, in your deepest wound, you can find Jesus. Um, and, it, and it dazzled him, right, when he found Jesus in his deepest wounds. Mm-hmm. But if you, if, you don't, if you don't find, you know, put Jesus there and, 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 and kind of live that experience, they can become a resting place of the enemy, right? And then, again, transmit that wound to somebody else. By the way, funny story about Sister Miriam. I actually, I was in Italy one time. Um, this was in preparation for my daughter's wedding. She got married in Italy. And I completely randomly, of course, you know, we Christians, we probably don't believe a lot in coincidence, but I literally bumped into her, literally, like in some piazza, like we're literally walking and boom, and my wife is with me. I'm like, I know this woman because I've seen her face before. And I'm like, are you, yeah. are you, are you on, you know, I just started talking to her and of course found out, yes, of course it was Sister Miriam. And, you know, just funny how God, like in his ways, right? He's like, here's a, here's just a little comedy for you. A little, a little nod, right? To let you know that I'm paying attention because sometimes we forget that he's there, right? And boom, there he is. So a little That's funny awesome. story about Sister Miriam. Small world. It really is. <laughs> hey, Carlos. So, so um, I want to, I want to, you know, pivot as we kind of round out here, um, you know, this conversation, which uh, my hope would be the first of, of, of many and one that would inspire people to seek out your work. But one thing that I want to, you know, not forget to bring up is a lot of people, especially people who are living in these kind of leadership positions, right? This podcast is really positioned to folks who are living their vocation and whatever that means in positions of leadership. You're an entrepreneur and you're a writer and a journalist and all these different things. But we've all dealt with, with, challenges and failures, right? Obviously, we've talked about some of the things that have happened in our personal and spiritual lives. um, But I'd love for you to just share perhaps, you know, a time when something in the the professional realm or in the work realm, let's call it, since all these things are related, something that hasn't worked, that maybe you've drawn some benefit from, right? Or something that's failed that you've been able to build from, uh, irrespective of that failure. Can you recall something like that that's happened in your... your (laughs) In your past, <laughs> multiple times. Um, so, so I have I have um, a podcast. Um, I have several podcasts out, but one of them is called Guardians of Beauty. Yep. And what that is is it's a show aimed at um, transmitting God's truth, beauty, and goodness through the virtues. So, what I do is I pick pick a virtue, and then um, I get Catholics, faithful Catholics, to kind of translate that virtue through creative means. So, poems plays, short reflections, things like that. Um, honestly, not a lot of people have listened to that. And I've produced two podcasts. And, you know, this is a lot of time-intensive type of stuff. Sure. Um, I've had to find the people. I've had to, you know, edit the stuff, write the script, all that kind of stuff. And I do this because, like, I can do it and I want to, uh, you know, preach the gospel, so to speak, through my creative means. Then I have another idea, which deals with, you alluded to it earlier, through the, um, the viralness of the good news. I have this idea to connect and collaborate with Gen Z and millennials to form a community of them so that they can then um, be inspired to create viral content. And so my hope is to be praying for them, encouraging them, kind of sharing secret sauces of what um, is constitute something that could be viral and do it in, in ways that are super intentional. And, and again, the traction for that has not occurred. And in each of these occasions, I just say to myself, um, it's, it's, and I'm going to quote Mother Teresa, and I know you've probably heard this, you know, it's not my job to be successful, it's to be faithful. Mm-hmm. And she also has this great quote about prayer, which she, and I'm going to paraphrase basically 
where, you know, we ask for things, we want things to happen, but ultimately um, prayer is not to try and change God. What prayer does is change you. Amen. Because you're getting to know him more, you're getting to rely on him more. So throughout all this, all this, um, what I what I see as basically what could be seen as quote failures, um, you know, maybe ten listeners basically combined through through all this, or um, not a lot of people going to the website, um, the Catholic Influencer website. I just I just go, Lord, I you've I I'm praying to you, you're asking me to do stuff, so I'm doing stuff. Thank God. And if you want something to happen, thank God. And if nothing happens, Deacon, I'm happy. Thank so God. I don't see mm-hmm. failure as failure. It's more of I'm just doing what he asks. I heard one uh, person, kind of an unlikely source, but one of these, uh, a guy named Bear Grylls, who has a kind of adventurous show. Yes. You're familiar with him? There, yep. was one, there was one episode that he did. He's a, he's a, he's a believer, um, and every mm-hmm. now and then you can hear him weave something interesting into one of his shows. He hasn't been like, you know, sort of, uh, his show hasn't been as popular as it was a few years ago now, but anyway, there was one particular show where he's like, you know, traipsing through the canopy of some, you know, exotic forest somewhere. And he looks up at this gorgeous flower that's probably like 5,000 feet above the floor that he just happens to have seen because he got, you know, dropped by an airplane. He parachuted on top of this thing. He's hanging on by a vine and he can just make out that flower. And his comment was, Carlos, think of the extravagance of God. The extravagance of God that that gorgeous thing is going to be seen by one person, me, happenstance, flying out of a, jumping out of an airplane, landing here and seeing this. And so think about that. And I think about that, right? About those 10 people. Those could have been the 10 people that God created all of your work, all of your energy, the entire podcast industry could have been put together just so you could have reached those 10. Right, it's and, like and honestly, that's, that's the extravagance of God. Yep. That's beautiful, man. That's that's a great analogy. And, and honestly, I I don't. There was a great quote that I learned when I was a young adult um, in ministry in New York City. Um, don't count the sheep, feed the sheep. Nice. So so back in the day, you know, I would I would have looked at this and be been annoyed basically, like where you know why are more people listening or why are more people interested in this or or things like that. Now because of the humility thing, I go. Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's all I say. And 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 Such again, when you live prayer. in the present moment, sure. Um, it you have no idea what God is doing. You just have no idea, and that's how I see things now. So I'm taking the longer view, which is His view, and and it's a blessed view. So again, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Like I'm not anxious anymore about anything. God's got this. Whatever it is, He's got it. And if you really look at it, you know, you think about the disappointment in the um, disciples when Good Friday rolled around. And their guy was killed. Mm. Um, talk about taking the air out of something, right? But they didn't know. They didn't know. They were projecting. And it's not about projecting anymore for me. It's just living in the moment and just going, thank you, thank you, thank you. And just being happy. I'm happy I can make stuff. It's That's great. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Have you found that you're able to share this? Um, this thankfulness, this gratitude, this kind of whole philosophy of, of living that surrendered life, which of course is, uh, you know, is, is, the, is a deep Christian understanding of, of the world. Have you been able to share that with people you work with, maybe who are not at the moment that you're at in terms of their journey, their walk of faith? Like, have you, have you had that opportunity? 
How do they respond? The best way of saying it is is I'm a nuclear power plant of all that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I I have no fear. You know, remember I talked about fear. I have no fear anymore. Um, And and so I work, um, I'm grateful to work for the church. And obviously, if you work for the church, people are kind of talking the same language. So it's easy um, to do that. So it's easy at work. But it goes beyond that. It's it's in everything that I do. It's now, whereas before, um, I was... I was shy about my Catholic faith. Basically, now um, it's it's who I am. Um, basically, and when I say who I am, I'm, I'm a beloved son of God. Mm-hmm. So everyone's going to know that. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to know that because um, life is too short otherwise. Absolutely, and it's it's so you know refreshing to me. Uh, you know, to hear you talk about this idea of, of not having any fear, because most of the challenges that I've come in, in, in contact with my own personal life, as well as in the, the lives of people that, I, that I've ministered to now in my diaconal ministry, but even the past, like when I've run into them, most of the issues really revolve around this idea of fear, right? Um, and being afraid that something may happen, will happen, has happened, whatever that may be, and it, and it paralyzes us. It keeps us from advancing and taking that next step toward God. And it's understandable, but at the same time, it's overcomable. And it's something that we have to do to, to, to be able to seek Him and, and go toward Him. But it's such a pervasive part of our, of our you know, lived experience, our human experience. And in some cases, for younger people today, right, people that are in these platforms, Carlos, that we're talking about, right, the social platforms and all this other media, the idea of fear is like, is so much more pronounced for them, right? anxiety and depression, all these statistics are way, way higher for young people than they've ever been before. And, and, and there's so much there that, that is driven by this idea of being fearful. Yeah. And, and that, that breaks my heart. Um, cause I, I was there, you know, back when I was younger too, and I know what that's like and it severely limits you. And again, you know, to use another phrase, um, what it does is it, it acts, and this is of course the evil one working, diverting us, fear diverts you, right, from him, that power of, of love and grace. And so what what do you end up? You end up carrying around your wounds, and fear mm. is definitely a wound because it stems from so many different things like shame. And in in doing that, what you do is you hurt people. Sure. So again, it's, it's just a bunch of people, hurt people, hurting people. Yeah. And that's why the world is so miserable in the way it is. It's not that abundant life that we're called to. And so it's, it does make me sad. But at the same time, I don't dwell in the sadness. It's more about like how, what is, what is God asking me? And so it's to radiate that light so that people can know they have a savior. They don't Amen. have to be bogged down by that. Amen, brother. By the way, we're going to have to have all of uh, the quotes that you cited in the show notes here, because I got to have people be able to find all these great quotes, and we've said a number of them. Um, so we'll make sure to I'll I'll trouble you to to shoot me no, a note with some of the ones that that, that you sent. Um, yeah. Carlos, that's awesome. Let let's um let's wrap up this particular episode, um, kind of changing gears here a little bit, um, and having a little bit of fun. And, and, you know, sharing with folks a bit of a rapid fire kind of Q&A, which you and I talked about. We call this uh, segment, Wait, What? Um, and it's in no particular order here, but based on some of the things that I think, um, you, you know, touch upon your life experience, and we'll kind of wrap the show with this. And I do want folks to know how to get in touch with you, how to follow what you're doing, the various things that you're doing, which we'll also include in the show notes. So we'll, we'll, we'll end with that part. But first, let's play a real quick round of Wait, What? Is that Okay. That's perfectly fine. I'm on your mercy. Great. Here you go. All right. 
Question number one on Wait What. If social media was around in the first century, which platform would the apostles have used to get the word out? Uh, great question. Uh, probably, I could see them. Um, I could see them being on uh, TikTok. I don't know. There's there's something about those guys, uh, you know, <laughs> Peter especially, um, that. Yeah, he he definitely would have used that, and and uh, the other guys. I think I think they they had to have been um, kind of a, a loose bunch to follow Jesus around. So definitely TikTok. Right, right. Yeah, I could definitely see a couple of quick uh, little formats and uh, you know things coming up. You know, as they're walking there on the Sea of Galilee, TikTok. All right, very good. <laughs> Question number two: Who would have made a better podcast host, Saint Paul or Saint Peter? Wow, uh, this one can get you think, into some trouble, Carlos. Yeah, no, I definitely think yeah, I definitely think Saint Paul would have been a, would have been a better one. He he would he 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 probably would have been um, so bombastic that he probably would have been had ratings off the charts. Love it, love it. Okay, and then the last one. I know you're a sports fan, so last one. This is a two-on-two pickup basketball game. Okay, pickup basketball game. But the players are Pele and Messi versus Maradona and Ronaldo. Who wins? <laughs> no, hands down, Pele and Messi. Hands down. Hands down. Okay. Yep. Why? Just better outside shot, better dribbling. Um, I, I think I, I, I just, I just, I just think that their their hearts are. Uh, Pele was a tremendous athlete. They did tests on him once. I read and said that no matter what sport he would have picked, he would have he would have been great at literally they, they did medical tests on him oh, wow. and said that. And, and I just think, um, Messi is just so quick and fast that, yeah, they would have Plus, figured it out. What, yeah. I, I, and, and, and I don't like Ronaldo, so there you go. <laughs> I can never pick so him. It's, a, it's, a, it's an easy one. Then Pele and Messi take the, fan. Uh, yeah, always they, Messi, always, always <laughs> very cool. All right. Well, great. Carlos, uh, tell the folks how they can get in touch with you and or follow what you're doing. Yeah, so um, the email is, and I have to look this up, um, the the um, website, because, let's see. So the website would be Catholic Influencers, let's see, catholicinfluencers.wordpress.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the email is catholicinfluencer at gmail.com. Okay, very good. And that's to follow your work on the Catholic Influence uh, Project. People can also find you on LinkedIn and reach out if, if, uh, if they're interested in connecting. Yep. All right. Very good. Awesome. Well, Carlos, I wanted to thank you once again. Um, for for your testimony, for your time here, for just the amazing back and forth and the quotes and all that stuff. I mean, I know that it's going to help people that hear it. Um, are, are you still doing the Guardians of Beauty podcast as well? I, I am. You know, I okay. still am. Yep. So people can search for that as well, Guardians of Beauty podcast, and check out some of um, some of the things that you're doing with that. I want to remind also folks to subscribe to Living the Call. Right. We speaking of podcast success, a lot of folks just listen. Right. Or they stream. 
but they forget to subscribe. And that's one of the reasons why they're not actually getting the latest episodes and getting more engaged. So I want to definitely remind you to subscribe to Living the Call. We have a lot of incredible guests that are coming up that are really living out their vocation through positions of leadership, like my friend Carlos Bersenio. So definitely subscribe. Please remember to do that. And um, once you do, then obviously you'll get the latest uh, the latest episodes. So anyway, Carlos, thanks again for being on the show. And to all of you out there, remember, it all comes down to this. God bless you. Amen. If you enjoyed this episode of Living the Call, please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star review. Tell someone you love about the show and spread the word. Living the Call is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can learn more about the organization behind the show by searching for the Catholic Association of Latino Leaders on any social platform or by going directly to call-usa.org. That's C-A-L-L-U-S-A.org. Living the Call is produced by Manu Kasten and Diego Carranza and our friends at Juan Diego Networks. God bless you, and thank you for listening.